I figured most of y'all would be on vacation. <laughs> Our gospel reading today comes from John's gospel, first the 14th chapter and then readings from the 20th chapter. I invite you to listen for God's living word. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows the spirit nor hears the spirit. You know the spirit because the spirit abides with you and the spirit will be in you. And then the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today is the third biggest holiday celebration in the church year. It is the kickoff to the beginning of the season of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Now we should forgive ourselves if we came to worship not realizing what a big day it is. After all, as a friend once pointed out, there are no happy Pentecost Hallmark cards. Few people have been out doing special shopping for Pentecost treats. Some of us remember to wear red, and I did see one red hat, but that's the color of the Holy Spirit, but there aren't a whole lot of those. My guess is that those of you with children did not experience them waking you up early to go and figure out where the Pentecost gifts were hidden somewhere in the house, waiting to be unwrapped. Of course, here at the church, we are indeed wearing roll red stoles, and the red paraments are hanging from the pulpit and the lectern along with the banners. Pastor Nancy did use the hypno-twister in our processional, in case you're wondering what that's called, to symbolize the free wheeling, goes where it wants, blowing and conspiring movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And the liturgy we speak, the songs we sing, will feature the power and presence of God's Spirit in our lives and in this world. For today is indeed known in the Christian church as the birthday of the church with a capital C. 
But as I was once gently taught by a rabbi, and as Pastor Rocky has already reminded us, the festival of Pentecost is a Jewish festival at its roots. The festival of Shavuot, the festival of the harvest. It's important for us to remember that lineage and honor it. We call it the church's birthday, however, because it is when those of us who follow God in the way of Jesus both received and recognized the power of the Spirit just as Jesus had promised. And like the stories of Jesus' birth in three of the four Gospels, the church's birth story also comes to us from two very different perspectives. We normally hear the perspective spoken in Acts, the rather loud and dramatic story of our coming into being. It is a story where all the disciples are in the house when suddenly the Force and the power of the Spirit symbolically blows the roof off and the windows and the doors open. They are all grasped by a power they do not understand, cannot explain, and simply must just receive. Scripture speaks of tongues like fire dancing above their heads as they all begin to testify to the good news of Jesus Christ in a whole variety of languages. Languages understood by the wide diversity of God's people who had gathered that day in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost. The disciples' excited testimony felt so unwieldy and chaotic to those in the crowd that some of them accused Peter and the others of being drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, he replied, making me wonder if his answer would have been different closer to five. <laughs> who knows, but it's that boundary-breaking chaos-causing, fire-of-justice-flaming, testimony-shouting story of our birth that we usually hear on this birthday day. This morning, though, we heard a quieter story of our birth, a quieter just as unexpected yet much more discreet beginning of our church's story. We heard John's version. And in John's version, all we have is a group of scared, locked-in-a-room, anxious group of disciples who thought all was lost and could not imagine what their future held. Even though we overheard Jesus telling them back in chapter 14 that the Spirit, the Advocate, would come to them when God was ready, at this point of the story in chapter 20, it's only Easter evening. And despite Mary of Magdala's powerful testimony to them that the, she had met the risen Jesus in the garden that very morning, they were all still terribly frightened. Nevertheless, John tells us that the risen Christ comes into their presence anyway and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then as Barbara Brown Taylor once preached, Jesus showed them his ID, the wounds in his hands and his side, and peace was with them as the word became flesh once again in their sight. Then, as she said, he did something very creepy and mystical that none of them would ever forget. He commissioned them by breathing on them, opening his mouth and pouring what was inside of him into them so that their bangs blew and their eyelashes fluttered and they could smell where he had come from. Not just Golgotha and Galilee, but way before that, back when the world itself was being born. Taylor continued, anyone standing there that evening with any memory at all could smell Eden on his breath. 
salt brine, river mud, calla lilies. They could feel their own lungs fill as they breathed in what he breathed out, what their fear had killed in them, his breath brought back to life. It was Genesis redone as they were created all over again by the power of the Spirit that was coming out of his mouth. Receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, and that's how it happened. With a gentle breath, he conferred his Spirit on the disciples who became the guardians of that Spirit through the ministry of Christ's church. This is John's version of our collective birth story, one I call a slow burn. For Jesus' gift of the Spirit through a slow breath did not set the disciples' hair on fire. It did not bring instant love and light and unity for all the world to see. It didn't even really seem to convince them of its power to transform the world in their lives. After all, those disciples in John 20 stayed in the same room that whole week trying to bring Thomas up to speed, and Jesus ended up having to do the whole meeting all over again. It doesn't sound exactly like inspiring ministry, but this seems to be enough Pentecost for John. A friend of mine named Becca once told a story to my preaching group that illustrated the power of something like a slow burn, and this week she gave me permission to say it to you. Around 10 years ago, she and her husband took a trip to Guatemala. She wanted to introduce him to the community who had acted like a burning bush of call for her that ignited her life and sent her eventually into ordained ministry. Her husband, though, while he was glad to meet her friends, was much more excited about doing a nighttime volcano tour. Thus, against her better judgment, she agreed to go with him and the rest of the tourist group. She told us that as they trekked up the side of the volcano that night, it was much more terrifying than they ever thought it would be. They could not see their leaders who were somewhere in front of them. And the wind was blowing 80 miles an hour, so they could not hear their leaders either. What they could see clearly was the glowing red lava straight ahead. At some point, someone else in the group gave her a stick and made the universal sign for use the stick to bang the ground. After a few moments of confusion, she finally understood what he was telling her. This is how you know the ground is solid, he yelled. You don't want your shoe to go into the lava. <laughs> Needless to say, she did not find this comforting. But she banged the stick ahead of her the whole rest of the journey. And at one point, when they had reached the highest point of the volcano, all she needed to do was cling to a rock and shout, the earth does not want us here. Finally, though, as they stared into the pot of fire, proof that, as she said, demonstrated to her that the cool ground we always stand on has a molten heart at its center, slowly and continually burning, even though we rarely see it. As they walked back down, everyone in the group moved much more slowly. Some of them moved that way because, indeed, they were wearing melted shoes. She moved that way, though, because she was just glad to be alive. Yet when Pentecost came around for her that year, she could not escape what she had experienced that night 
at the volcano. Here's how she stated it. It reminded me there is an igneous love at the center of this earth and also at the center of everything that God has made. The spirit can warm lakes and it can move nations. It makes a way where there is no way. And thanks be to God, it can still be there without burning visibly all the time. That doesn't make it less powerful. That makes it patient. That makes it kind. It has all the time in the world because it made and continues to remake the world. To me, that sounds like the power of a slow burn. And yes, as our other birth story reminds us, the spirit can definitely be more like a flash of fire and a roaring wind when it needs to be. But it can also resemble that gentle breath of power that Jesus exhaled on the disciples that night. A gentle breath of power that remakes and transforms even when it goes unnoticed for a really long time. A gentle breath of power that ignites a passion for justice and mercy in the hearts of those previously numbed by apathy, even when they don't recognize from whom the longing has come. A gentle breath of power that shows up in congregational long-range planning listening sessions and around sandwich-making tables and at the time the waters of a baby's baptism and the time of commissioning fellow church members to go and testify to God's love and word and deed as they travel together. Maybe that sense of the Spirit's slow burn is what the theologian John Wesley felt when he said his heart felt strangely warmed. Maybe that sense of the Spirit's slow burn is what Presbyterian author Fred Beekner experienced when he described the moment when a deep need in the world intersects with something in you that offers a deep gladness. He called that your vocation. Maybe that sense of the Spirit's slow burn is what Mother Teresa described as the call within a call. The Spirit does not always blow with gale-force winds, but sometimes... It comes as a gentle breath of power, a slow burn that stokes the fireplace of the soul and helps you do the hard work of letting pain or shame or righteous anger become the fuel for what God is calling you to do next. In this passage from John, his version of our birth story, Jesus does not say, I'll send the lightning bolt. Rather, he says, I will send you the advocate Another word for that is paraclete, that translate as one who comes alongside, one who is an encourager, a power who somehow fills you with the courage you need to keep being a disciple for yet another day. So perhaps today on this church's birthday, as we all gather together, we might think of the spirit as a slow burn a gentle breath of power that keeps any of our quivering hearts from feeling isolated. A slow burn, a gentle breath of power who reminds us we are in the middle of or connected to a whole group of people with shared breaths and shared wounds and shared joy so we can remember none of us is ever truly alone. 
For the Spirit of God, Jesus' promise would come, has indeed moved into our midst. It has blown into our lives. It abides with us and in us and among us at all times and all places. It is a slow burn of holy creative power that on some days will have us raising our voices to the rooftops and blowing out the windows with our spirit-filled passion as we call an act for justice and mercy. But on other days, the slow burn of holy creative power will encourage us to do just the little bit of ministry that, it our, that is ours to do at that moment. Here's what I know. This slow burn, this gentle breath of power, this holy, creative, freely blowing spirit is alive and well at Fourth Presbyterian Church of Chicago. It is the molten heart of everything you do as a congregation. It will continue to give you the courage and the openness and the vision you need as you move into this next season of your life together. It is always continually present, even in those moments when the ground just feels cool and you cannot see or hear where you are going next. But that slow burn spirit is present, regardless of fear, regardless of change, regardless of anything we do or don't do. So as we take our leave from each other today, my prayer is that we will each take a deep breath in and catch a whiff of the Eden on Jesus' breath the smell of salt, brine, river mud, and calla lilies. And we will remember the power of the slow burn of God's Spirit who resides in us and among us, making all of us a part of Christ's body together, regardless of where we are, from now until forever. Thank you for being conduits of that encouraging power for me. Thank you. Amen.